Hello and welcome to the Behind the Artist podcast with Park West Gallery. I'm Gallery Director Morris Shapiro. If you'd like to view works of the artists I'm interviewing and learn more about them, please visit our podcast site with links to more content at parkwestgallery.com forward slash podcast. International art dealer Park West Gallery is proud to present our new podcast series, Behind the Artist. Each episode will be talking to popular contemporary artists to learn the stories and inspiration behind their extraordinary artwork and fascinating careers. The artist Leslie Liu is one of the most intriguing figures in the continuing narrative of American art history. Growing up as the daughter of the renowned advertising executive art director Les Hopkins, as a child, Leslie became steeped in the American ad culture of the 1960s, and this formed the basis and the legitimacy of her exploration of these wonderful and today nostalgic images, which she describes as the vanishing memories of our generation. Her unique heavy relief technique, which she calls sculpted oil, reintroduces eye-dazzling interpretations of such subjects as animal crackers, Wonder Woman, and other comic book heroes, the Dick Jane and Sally readers, breakfast cereals, among so many others. In this interview, Leslie takes us through her early years at the Chicago Art Institute and her rise to success in New York as part of the famed East Village movement, her pivotal relationship with Andy Warhol, the origins of her subjects, the artists whom have most inspired her, and the reasons she essentially turned away from successful representation in the elitist galleries in New York to come to Park West. This is Behind the Artist. It's no frills, just real and deep conversation. I'm Morris Shapiro, and I hope you enjoy this journey into the art and life of Leslie Liu. So Leslie Liu, what a treat to finally have the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. You know what a big fan of your work I am, and uh, we've had a lot of great adventures together all over the world. It's been a lot of fun. And so uh, I've been looking forward to this, this uh, segment for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I guess the best place to start would be your childhood and your father, because your father was such an important influence on your work. And uh, one of the things I think is great about the kind of work you do, which is many times reflecting parts of our culture, and particularly uh, parts of the culture that go back to the 50s and 60s and 70s, that period, you know, kind of the baby boomer, you know, culture, is the fact that your father was a guy who was responsible for much of the advertising and for the work that was done in that period. So you're you're bona fide. You know, it's not like you're just appropriating these subjects because you think they're cool. This is stuff you grew up with. Which they are, actually. Well, they are cool, yeah. Yeah. But this is stuff you grew up with. Yeah, this is yeah. this is implanted into your whole, you know, childhood. It's, so talk about your dad, what he did, and uh, how his his life and work affected you and helped you fo- help form who you are today. Well, I love my dad. My dad was like like God <laughs> for me. You know, I mean, because he was an artist and because uh, you know he just was a cool guy. I was named right after him. I, right. When I was a uh, you know first born, my mother loved the name Leslie. And my dad's name's Leslie, and that was why we, you know, I got named Leslie, and I'm the first one, and Leslie Jr., I am, you know. My father, you know, he raised four daughters. He always, I think, really wanted to be a painter, an artist. And uh, back in that era, like the 50s, 60s, whatever, you know, people had to make a living. And, uh, you know, especially had a family, you you couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. Did he make fine art on the side? He did. did In fact, I inherited a fabulous um, painting that he Mm -hmm. did. He uh, he did a very beautiful little uh, big kind of a, I guess, 24 by 30 still life Mm -hmm. uh, of our dining room table with a little apple on it. Mm -hmm. And the color is beautiful, kind of a warm kind of a muted green background and uh, the, the uh, kind of an oriental rug, kind of almost Matisse-like, you oh, know, nice. uh-huh. and, uh, and I inherited that. Um, I wanted it and <laughs> <laughs> fought my sisters for that one. I was going sisters for that, yeah. Definitely. Uh-huh. Well, you're, you're the only artist in the family, right? Well, no, um, my middle sister, Lisa, also is, um, she's in Portland, and mm-hmm. she, she has kind of like a mythological, spiritual kind of work, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, with paper, she has paper making, she does paint too with like you know like birds and owls and you know because that's kind of like Portland you know it's like really natural you know and kind of um, all that anyway back to my dad he was just you know he just absolutely loved you know art and all 
that. And basically, at first, when he first he went to LA Art Center, and then he went with his friends to New York, and that's how he, then he got a job in, in advertising. And he wasn't that good at first, and he almost got fired because he couldn't do lettering. Really oh, well. really? Yeah. So he ended up really practicing a lot like kind of things that I do. I mean, we I think I'm very um, simpatico with my father in terms of striving and, and doing the best I can possibly do. So he just kept practicing, and he became the best lettering guy. <laughs> you could see his signature was the coolest <laughs> ever, you know. And that was because he had been sloppy, and he almost lost his job, and whatever. And um, I just remember all the products and all the things that uh, that surrounded us as I grew up. With Give me some daughter. examples of some of the ad campaigns you worked uh, on. Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. Uh, <laughs> which we all ate. <laughs> um, Get free samples. Yeah, oh, totally. Are you kidding? It was like really great. Um, uh, all the Kellogg stuff, that, but basically he was responsible for the um, sugar smacks with the with the Smackin' Brothers, which <laughs> Smackin I know, Brothers. which you know is not that would not go on today. No, 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 no it would way. not. It would not. Yeah, You're yeah. not supposed to encourage yeah. kids to kill each other. Yeah, that's you know, a PC box. today, right? Right. right. So, um, so a lot of Kellogg's products. A lot of Kellogg's what, what products. Else? Marlboro Man. Marlboro Man. Yeah, wow. he he filmed the guy that I guess he died of smoking actually. You know? <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't laugh about that. I know, but, I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Because, I mean, thank God we all now know right. that, you know, yeah. that smoking is horrible. Yeah. But Marlboro Man, oh, he was went down in Kentucky, and, and they filmed the guy with the hat, mm. you know, and the horse, and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, Alka-Seltzer commercials, you know, Flop Flop, you know, flop, uh, you know and fizz, Marshmallow fizz. Meatball, and, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I was talking to the, um, you know, to the group, the Park West clients today, you know, when we were talking mm -hmm. about my work, about um, magic markers. And they do digital stuff now for advertising and all that. It's all sure. computerized and all no photoshopped. And, no yeah, no. This is all Dad did like layouts. He did like mm -hmm. thumbnail sketches and, you know, things like that. So the magic markers came in like a million colors. One thousand you know, like one thousand colors. And and I couldn't believe how many black and whites there I mean there are grays there were. There there's there was like Fifty gradations of gray. You Grays, know, yeah. Because yeah. they they did a lot more black and white right, layout. Right, right. A know. lot of people don't realize how many gray tones there are in the grayscale. You know. Totally. I totally. remember Robert Beverly Hale wrote this awesome book about drawings of the masters, and he said that the you know the novice usually uh, believes that you just have black, white, and gray, but the real artist can see thousands of totally. you know variations of gray. Yeah. In fact, that what's interesting is I had a big show uh, with Bernie Steinbaum like back in 1987. Uh, that was after the East Village. I was picked up by a, another big top gallery. She was right next door to Leo Castelli, mm, and. Mm -hmm. uh, they wrote about the, the variations of the, the, like here Picasso did the Guernica, which mm -hmm. was kind of in black, black, and, white, and, black gray. and white and gray. Yeah. But I actually used color within, that they that read black and white, but there mm -hmm. was some blue in it, oh, and there right, was some right. purple in it, and there right. was some like, you know. Right. Uh -huh. And th that, it still read as black and white, but it made it even more luscious. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, the reviews nice. that came from nice. that was like nice. really fun. So back to the magic markers. Magic so markers. he he would use these magic markers to create his ad campaigns, and then Absolutely. what happened? Well, they, they he do the whole sketches and stuff like that. I guess that would be the the guide line to. He was executive art director, so he was mm -hmm. the, the top guy. You know, he would just do that, and I guess he'd get the uh, the copyright guys wrote the the. Uh, the campaign and whatever, and then they organized the the photographers and and if it's a TV thing or if it was uh, just a magazine thing, you know, whatever he had to do, and he would just put it together. They had teams, sort of like you guys have teams, you know, with uh, you know um, different. Uh, People did different things within that and, ad. And he worked at home a lot. He had a he had a little studio in a, in our house uh, with a drafting table and all that. And uh, yeah, he he didn't work at home that much. He was pretty much at the the uh, you know at the agency, uh -huh. you know. But um, but as I said, I would copy when he was doing like working overtime and whatever. I I was mentioning so, to some you know a group today about the fact that I was I have my one of my 
oldest drawings I'd ever did, like at five or something, of Nabisco, and it was like a, it was a parrot in a cage, and this little kid had a held a little cracker, and it was like holding it to the parrot, you know, and my hand, the way I drew the hands was like pointy, it was like really, really kind of silly, but it, it it's well, you're wonderful. Five years old, we five, yeah, I know, but well, I'm critical, I don't know, <laughs> you know, but so it, it was good, it was like fun, so you, I did a lot of that. You take your father's markers when he was done with them? He gave them to me. Oh, okay. He would toss them when they were uh -huh. dry and like a little hairy, you know, but I didn't care. They yeah. worked for me, you yeah. know. Yeah. And your father died fairly young, right? How old was he? In well, the he past? wasn't that, actually, he wasn't that young. Uh -huh. uh, he was about 82. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he died. He, he, was he, it yeah. your mom that died? Mom, mom, yeah. Mom, okay. yeah, mom passed uh -huh. at 72. Yeah. You know, and all yeah. that. Was your mother artistic too? Yes, yeah, she was. She was actually uh, a writer. You know, she was a kind of a stay-at-home mom, which I don't think she should have been, kind of. But in those days, that was kind of what it was. My dad even tried to encourage her to, you know, to go to work after we got a little bit bigger, you know. Right. But, you know, it, it, you know, I think that she had a lot of fear, you know, mm -hmm. in that way. But she was very creative with us. She was a great mom. Yeah. And uh, we used to have, like... Um, all sorts of wonderful, uh, like we lived like in Teaneck, New Jersey, and this, and, and this whole block was like infested with kids. And it was like we would have like on our porch, we had plays. Now I always had to be Prince Charming because I was the oldest. I always wanted to be like you know Cinderella. So you and your whatever. sisters would yeah. Place. Lisa always got uh -huh. to be the like uh, the princess. Cinderella, oh. and then. Stephanie, the one that was just under me, we made her always the Wicked Witch. <laughs> she always got the bad one. That's worse than being Prince Charming, you know, to be the Wicked Witch, you know. And she hated that, too. In fact, now that she's old, she's actually the most prissy of everybody, and like, you know, kind of like girly, you know. And here she had to be like, you know, the witch, you know. Yeah, wicked Witch. And so you Oh, I've got to say one more thing that's okay. really interesting. Um, in terms of my mom and creativity, I had a magic show. It was really cool. I, I raked in the bucks, I mean, the quarters, not quarters, nickels, um, had the entire block, parents, everybody come in and uh, to the magic show. I had like a, um, a chemistry set that I could turn water into wine, and I did a whole bunch of other kind of cool things. But the grand finale was going to have me saw my sister in half. <laughs> And we had like a fake, a fake toy saw, okay? And what we did was I put Lisa in one part of the box. I made a two box, put a kind of a cover on top of it, and we had stuffed socks at the end so it looked like she was on the other side. And she's crying too. It's, it was very good. It, it sounded like it was going to be, and here I'm starting to saw, and it's like just between the two box, you know? Mm -hmm. She's crying because she was stuffed in the box. She gets up and she walks out, and the socks are still standing. <laughs> and everybody well, demanded well, their money back. Trick. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't blame them. Uh, well, they do. Yeah, but it would have been a great grin. I was going to saw her in half. It was perfect. <laughs> it worked really good, you know. So anyway, mom was always encouraging. She made costumes for us, and mm. you know. All that, so that was really. Well, good. It's nice your parents got to see you uh, reach success too. In Absolutely, the field, so that's in fact, a great thing yeah, for them. you know, it's really uh, such a compliment for my, for me, uh, especially when I got into grad school. I basically was uh, got grants, uh, grants and scholarships, uh, all the way through. You know, I did. My parents didn't pay for me. I just ended up luckily getting. You know, um, you know, being financed by by, you know, scholarships, and. When I got to grad school, I had already been undergrad, and they don't—they have a rule where they don't accept the master's program. Usually, the kids that have been already in art, the art school, the art institute, already. So all of my advisors said, "Listen, Leslie, try to pick another a B, B school for your master's or whatever, because you're not going to get in. There's no way." Guess what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got in. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just—I didn't even have a B, a B side or not B side, but a B plan. Yeah, right. I right, ended yeah. up. Wanting to go, mm -hmm. and I submitted the best my supermarket paintings that I had just you know started that series, mm -hmm. and uh, I got in. Well, let's go back. So, you uh, start your uh, formal education as an artist at the prestigious Art Institute of Chicago, right. which is one of the great museums in America, right. and one of the best art schools yeah. in the country as well. So, tell us about those years. What was uh, important to you in those years? What did you learn in those years? What were those experiences like? They were, they, I, I really, I learned quite a bit actually, um, you know, being among a lot of talented uh, instructors, professors, and um, kids, you know, students that are also very, it was really a big a challenge and stuff. I, had, I was also mentioning today about the fact that, you know, I, I was painting pretty pictures and I was painting uh, landscapes and they were thick and plain air and all that, 
but they gave me a really hard time when I went to the Art Institute. They said, yeah, these are nice paintings and whatever, but don't you have a, um, you're not really talking about what your soul is about or what, what you really, you know, feel deeply. It's, you know, it, you really need to do that. And I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. I can, you know, I, can, I like it. I want to paint that way and all that. Well, a number of my friends said, yeah, I think they're, they're right about that. You really should think about what, you know, what really means something to you. So I started thinking about it, and then one of my friends said, hey, I, oh, they said, well, what do you really like so much? Uh, what do you, um, well, I, I said, I'm doing these series of etchings right now within my rooms, and in each room had all these products and all that stuff. It, I was all doing all the little detail, Raisin Bran and all that. And I said, I really like doing those details and the little products. Someone said, why not do a supermarket? Supermarket. Supermarket, yeah, mm -hmm. like a scene of a supermarket. And all of a sudden, a light bulb lit up in my head, and that was it. It was like, wow, that is so cool. I went around to supermarkets and do my, I'd get permission to get, you know, sketch, and then I'd, I'd take some photographs. And at the time, there was a lot of fluorescent lights, so it made you really dizzy, you know, because they don't do that anymore. But it almost makes you nauseous. So a lot of the supermarkets that I did, I would make things almost like a little bit topsy-turvy, <laughs> kind of crashing off the shelf, just because, it, you know, that's what I could so see when like, I was, yeah. yeah. So, and what I did was I built up those products mm -hmm. three-dimensionally, and that is how my technique started, the sculpted oil technique, because I wanted to make it more real build it up and mm -hmm. really, you know. Yeah, so it started as like an impasto, a little bit of an impasto. Yeah, I mean, it was a fairly just good. developing and developing and developing. I have, yeah. I have a, one that I kept, uh, it's called the vending machine painting. It was of the school cafeteria at the Art Institute of Chicago, and I and they had really great vending machines because they had they were like from the 50s and 60s, little guys with caps, and it like uh, it had like uh, aqua, you know, like that kind of old 50s like Bel Air kind of colors and mm. stuff like that. And uh, I have it in my guest room now. You know, it's like I'm glad I kept it. <laughs> you know, it's like really good. I also got while I was at the Art Institute. I got into my first museum show as an undergrad. I did a I did an etching of the school store, mm -hmm. which was down I've in the basement. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. of the um, in the basement of the art institute. I had a jobs because I needed to eat. I couldn't right. scholarships don't pay you for food. You know, right. so um, I would I basically I had a night job at, where no one would come in at night. Mm -hmm. I was so bored, so I ended up going. Um, while you know, while I was waiting to close up the store, I would sit outside the hall and I could look in and see the school store. So I, I did a pen and ink and I kept drawing. It took day, day, like it took days and days to do this, and and I, I depicted all the little erasers and the brushes and, and they had like this weird sign that says uh, if you bounce a check you're going to be killed or something. It was, <laughs> it was like something like that, and it was really, you know, uh, it, it uh, I, I entered it. And it's the first time I ever got into a museum show. Yeah. And it was the Art Institute? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Was it a student show or was it no, just no? It was really? a called oh. the Artist Vicinity Show. Oh nice. Uh -huh. You know, it was yeah. a it was a real human beings were right. in that show. Right. Not, right. not just kids. Just kids I, yeah. I don't even uh -huh. think there's any other kid that got in. Wow. Well, it was it's, just me. it's been exciting for you. I was totally yeah, excited. You got bit at that point, huh? I got the bug right there, yeah. And yeah. I've been and actually yeah. I had like three other pieces uh -huh. in, in other times uh -huh. get into regular uh, museum shows. That's nice, yeah, as, as, a, as a youngster. That's Absolutely. pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so you ended up going to New York mm -hmm. with a program with the Whitney. So talk right. about that. It was called Semester in New York City, uh, and basically it, it invited you know art students from all over the world that, uh, you know, that were privileged. They were, they, I feel very privileged I was chosen. Uh, There's, I think, 15 of us from different places in the world. Some. Uh, from RISD, you know, Rhode Island School of Design, mm -hmm. Maryland Institute, and then uh, some European art schools as well. And every what, what was so good, cool about it was you got your you got a studio right on the Hudson River, West Side Highway, and uh, every Friday they'd have a big critique where we all get together and a major artist would come mm. and look at our work mm -hmm. and give us critiques. Mm. So cool. I met Andy there. And, you know, he Andy came Warhol. in. Warhol. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, it, it was it was life changing in mm -hmm. some ways because uh, right at that point he invited me to to participate in a Matchbox show, mm -hmm. and uh, along with Jean Michel Basquiat and Basquiat, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And Keith Haring was Keith in the, Haring was in the uh -huh. show, yeah. yeah, 
and yeah. Kenny Sharp. There were like a bunch yeah. of different, you know. A lot of very important American yeah. artists at the time. American yeah, artists, yeah. Right. yeah. And, uh, so you, you mentioned Matchbox. Yeah. Describe that for our listeners. What, what does that mean? Matchbox. Well, Matchboxes are Matchboxes. They got little matches in them. Oh, <laughs> what, the thing was that we were invited... Um, all, all artists in the show for the Matchbox show was invited to either paint on match covers, match boxes, or even the big ones, match, you know, the big mm -hmm. matchboxes. Yeah, right, the long and, matches. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really know how to get any matchboxes, you know, whatever. So I would go to restaurants and, and pre pretend like I was going to get a, a seat over down at the corner, and mm -hmm. then when they weren't looking, I'd grab a handful <laughs> of matchboxes. And then you run out? Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> It's horrible. I, I, that's terrible. Karma's going to get me. So on that. what did you paint on those matchboxes? Okay, boxes? what I did was I gessoed them first because mm -hmm. they're on paper. You want to make sure that they, you know, matchboxes right. or cardboard or whatever. Yep. I would gesso them so that they had a nice like um, foundation, mm -hmm. and then I painted on little sculpted oil paintings mm -hmm. on top of them. Miniature paintings. Miniature, fabulous miniature. What paintings. kind of subjects? Raphael, uh, <laughs> Madonna and Child. In fact, Albert and Mitzi have that uh -huh. one. I gave that to them. Nice. You know, so they're, they're cool. lucky. I wish yeah. I had that still. <laughs> so you painted, really. you painted a Raphael painting on Ra the matchbox. I know. It was great. And I used like a one-hair eyelash brush, which is called a Micro Marks brush. Uh -huh. It's a German brush, uh -huh. you know. And, they, and I just... Wow. And I had better eyesight then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And that's where you met Andy, right? I met Andy, yeah. right. Well, yeah. no, I met Andy during the critique, but then he right. showed at the matchbox okay. show. Uh -huh. okay. And that's and where you became friends? Uh -huh. yeah. And then what happened is he likes to he liked to really hang around with kid, uh, Young the younger artists, artists because mm -hmm. I think it's inspiring. I mean, he did a lot of work with uh, Jean Michel. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, there's he a did. lot of collaborative uh -huh. pieces. In fact, um, you know, I think there's a, there was a big Warhol show at the um, at uh, I believe it was at the Whitney mm -hmm. uh, about a year ago or something like that. And you know, they they showed a lot of uh, of. Andy's and Jean-Michel's work together. Mm -hmm. I also photographed, uh, I, I was chosen because I did know Andy, uh, to archive his work when he passed away. Right. And uh, we pulled out a lot of stuff with yeah. Jean-Michel and mm -hmm. uh, Andy's um, collaboratives. Yeah. So you went in and actually archived the remaining artwork Everything. In, the, in the factory. That's yep. pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah. It was. Yeah, you know, many yeah well, it was a little bit like also yeah. Marcel Duchamp. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of well, the... Well, a lot of people think he was the next disciple after Duchamp. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Well, he was cynical. Yeah. Though he, you know, he did have humor, too. I think that, that it wasn't as much as, I mean, for me, um, my concept is is more about trying to capture our memories and uh, within our culture mm -hmm. and the icons that right now are kind of like um, fading pretty fast. I mean, if you go almost anywhere in the United States now, you notice everything's like the same. It's like it's like everything's homogenized. Mm -hmm. You don't have a lot of the old mom and pop stores. You don't have a lot of the that character. I noticed, you know, doing this uh, Canadian trip, um, Portland, Maine. And then you go to St. John, mm -hmm. and how charming the differences between the different countries. Mm -hmm. Like it looked like Canada keeps a lot more of the old, beautiful cobblestone streets and the and the beautiful buildings yeah. and all that. Yeah. And and then you go there, and you go to our our, our side, mm -hmm. and it's like a lot of things have been torn down and not really that attractive. You yeah. know, not yeah. really. Well, let's get back to this idea okay. about the cynical aspect of American pop art, which yeah. was really almost the driving force of it. It was taking imagery out of its context, right. which, whether it be advertising or entertainment or, uh, you know, comic books, whatever it was, you know, and then placing it in an artistic context so it becomes viewed in a different way. That's kind of, when you agree, the essence of pop art, huh. appropriating images out of their context and putting them in artistic context so that you're forced to see them in a different way. But I think you'll agree with me, the majority of pop art was very as you use the word cynical, mm -hmm. it was looking at our culture in a negative way and right, saying, right. pointing out these things and saying, you know, look, look how cheesy this is or negative yeah, it is right. or whatever, you know. Right. But your work isn't about that. Yeah. You're using the same concept of taking things out of their context, mm -hmm. but you're really showing them to people in a way that's uplifting yeah. and positive. Yeah, right? it's glorifying them in some ways. It's making them bigger than life. and bringing back a memory that, that, that I feel is really important in our culture. I think I talked again to, you know, today about you know, Norman Rockwell and how I, I felt very close to Norman Rockwell. My dad loved Norman Rockwell. He really was... Um, um, Respected him, right? Yes, very yeah. much so, very yeah. much so. 
Uh, Norman Rockwell was great because he was a, uh, he really depicted uh, his, his culture, his, his life, time. his time. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I am really very, I, I feel that, um, that historically mm -hmm. I am really grabbing the memories for our time right. and, and grabbing them because they're all disappearing. They're vanishing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. And it, it's, it's so funny because a lot of the, uh, you know, um, my son's, you know, Sean's friends and stuff love my work. And mm -hmm. it's like, I can reach over, you know, boundaries from, you know, so it's not just for the baby boomers. It's right. like, it's basically, you know, I think I'm, I'm just timely right now. I'm mm -hmm. just doing what, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope that many of the things that were a part of our generation will endure and they will continue on and be embraced by the younger generation. I do worry about that sometimes, I you know. know. You see how ephemeral everything is and attention is so difficult to keep. You know, people don't want to focus on anything and content's coming at us a million miles an hour. So mm -hmm. I think the, the fact that you're out there sort of saying, hey, stop, wait, look, mm -hmm. look at these things that were part of our lives that are important to be appreciated and preserved and carried on, you know, because this was a, an important contribution to, you know, uh, society at the time. Well, it to, was our to culture forms the, the whole, it, I yeah. think it formed the whole, uh, you know, the American yeah. culture. You know, exactly, sometimes. exactly. Yeah. So you get your Matchbox show, and then you start well, exhibiting lots there. of That's galleries. Yeah, right. You get your first first major, solo show. You know, solo show in it New York. It sold out. Is, it was crazy. Yeah. And it, how, I, how old were you then? Um, I was probably thirty. thirty. A little bit. Okay. Yeah, around there. Uh -huh. um, yep. Maybe a little older. Yeah. Um, I didn't show for. It's really funny. I was offered a show in Chicago by a major gallery mm -hmm. when I did my supermarket painting, uh -huh. and I didn't want to part with them. Oh, is that weird? You haven't got over that turtle yet, huh? I, no, yeah. I, I, I think back. It's like, well, of course, you know, it's a little like um, there's there's a movie called Sliding Do Sliding Doors, I think, where you make a choice in this movie. You make a choice, and then life is so totally different. You know, if you go in this one door, right. you know, like a subway door, or you, yeah. or you don't go in it, or mm -hmm. whatever. And in some ways, I mean, I, I always think, well, gee, what if I had done that? Would I have gone to New York? Would I have stayed mm -hmm. in Chicago? Because yeah. I was offered a really good show there, mm -hmm. you know, while I was a student. And mm -hmm. the guy kept, uh, you know, the, the uh, art dealer kept calling and calling. You know, I never really met him in, in person. He just mm -hmm. saw the work and he, you know, saw it in the museum mm -hmm. and he called and, you mm -hmm. know. And, um, but I really needed to keep it, I think. I needed, I, I like to live with my work sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that with Park West, sometimes I don't get a chance as much yeah. because right. it goes I out. Know you are, well, you've given us paintings from the 80s. I know. We've sold paintings. Well, that's you know, when I yeah. sa I've savored them. So yeah, yeah, get yeah. Back. Those lucky collectors, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We sold some amazing uh, pieces yeah. from the yeah. early period. That's when you painted all in oil. I know. Right? So they're still drying. <laughs> they still are drying. <laughs> you know, I was saying that before, um, you know, when I when I would have these shows really quickly and I'd and I'd be doing it like solid oil and stuff like that. And it's like there've been there were so many times that people would put their finger in there and pull out a plum. You know, it's like get it's just like and then I would try to, I had like a Viking stove like uh, when I was living in, in New York, uh, and I I put them in there to try to <laughs> cook them. It them didn't up, it wouldn't work. Just, no, yeah. it didn't. It yeah. didn't. Well, and they don't crack. It didn't crack yeah. anyway. But you know, it's like for those who haven't seen Leslie's work, um, she's what she calls sculpted oil paintings. Now was the style that she originally created, and these works are uh, they're reliefs. They're you know three dimensional in a sense. They come off the canvas in many cases, like inches off the canvas. Can be three and, inches. Yeah, and, and it's amazing that you uh, you know did that all in oil painting. Mm -hmm. It's not how you work now. You've kind of you've altered that technique. So. Uh, take us through the process of making one of your paintings, one of your sculpted oil paintings. Okay. How, how does it begin? What's uh, the process well, like? Well, what I do is I'm thinking of an idea or whatever I'm doing, and then I, I sketch it out on my canvas. Uh, so it's just like white and black. You do a preliminary drawing first? For uh, it depends. I do when I'm doing the portraits. portraits I, right? I yeah. do thumbnail sketches first, yeah. and, and then go and I transfer. Once I do the, the sketch and it's approved, then I'll transfer that onto the, the canvas, canvas and uh -huh. all that. But, um, but with painting-wise, I well, I... I just hand draw usually, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. I can I can just wipe off if I don't like it. You know, mm -hmm. with painting it's really easy because you can, you know, on a canvas because if you don't like something you can just you know put some white on it mm -hmm. and go back and keep working, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I start the sketch, and then when I know that I have it laid out and all that, I lay it flat on my drafting table, and then what I do is I I take I I take 
first I take uh, surgical gloves so I can scoop out mm. all the, I do acrylic, right now I'm using acrylic titanium white paint. Mm -hmm. I'm, everything is still solid paint. Yeah. And I put it on my palette. Uh -huh. And then I do big brushes, and I'm using my fingers, and uh -huh. you know I mound so it all. Sculpt, up. You're mounding it and mounding, sculpting it on yeah. top of the canvas yeah, yeah. based on the drawing that you yeah, laid down. Right. Yeah, right. And I only know. I don't know how I do it. It's like I do. I just. It's more instinct. You know, mm -hmm. when I'm where I'm going to make it thick and where I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. And so I lay it all out, and then I fan it <laughs> with a mm -hmm. fan. You know, and it usually takes about a day or so to to dry, to dry. the uh -huh. underpainting part. Right. Uh -huh. And then. Then what I do is I put it on my easel or on the wall, depending on you know what I've, mm -hmm. I'm doing, and uh, I just go to town with it. And I use mm -hmm. uh, you know I use big thick juicy oil paint and mm -hmm. just go wild on it. Right, you know? right. So it's oil over acrylic. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it still gets that amazing thick. Well, the, know, the thing is that the, the thickness is still so thick that. Uh, what I'm doing with the reason I, I started doing the under part was because I was having things damaged all the time, mm -hmm. and now they don't get damaged. That's mm -hmm. that's the. Uh, I mean, I was shipping stuff to museums; they had to fly me in yeah. to fix it. You know, it's mm -hmm. like really not. You know, not cool. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's good because right now it, it seems to really. I've been doing this for over 15 years now, mm -hmm. and it and the, the, the acrylic and what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, and it, it really, for me, it. it uh, you know, it, it's easier to them to transport too, and mm -hmm. I don't have to wait like 200 years to give you guys a painting. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about uh, what attracted you to coming to Park West because you had all these elite galleries in New York and really, you know, all through the States mm -hmm. and internationally as well uh, that were showing your work, and you were in that milieu of, you know, really sophisticated, avant garde, elitist artists. And you decided to kind of break away from that and come to Park West. And obviously, we're we're a very commercial gallery. We appeal to a broad range of of collectors, you know, from from novices to people that are really actively collecting. Mm -hmm. So, what was it that made you want to make that transition? I think that Park West is really a very with it type uh, type of uh, gallery because I like the fact that that. The artists get to, to meet their collectors. Mm -hmm. the, the collectors get to meet the artists. It's a it's a more informal, in some ways, informal way of, of, of learning about art, mm -hmm. loving art, loving the artists, loving, you know. People seem to be having a lot of fun. I think a lot of times with my uh, galleries and, and museums, a lot of times they're, they're putting on a big air thing, big, you know, like they think they're really like above everybody. And they're intimidating. And mm -hmm. They intimidate me. I mean, I feel like I'm <laughs> doing something. I'm doing guy. something yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, am I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh, I'm afraid to even walk in. It's like I'm, <laughs> I'm nervous. You know, it's like really. And there are also a lot of it. You know, like I love to have people touch my work because mm -hmm. it's not going to get damaged. It's pigment. It's mm -hmm. not. You know, it's not going to melt. You know, and all that. And when you're in a museum, the first thing is you've got the guards there, and yeah. they're they're ready to. To you know, take out a gun if mm -hmm. you uh, mm -hmm. you know if you're about to get close to that painting. So yeah. in some ways, I, f I feel like I'm kind of a renegade. You know, <laughs> when I'm here, when I'm in Park West and stuff, I get to, yeah, come on, touch, come my touch my painting. Yeah, and they yeah. and they always go, oh, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I love working with them. I think um, I, I love working with uh, all, all the uh, you know the auctioneers and with mm -hmm. art, you, the art historian, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think another thing is that um, I think. Your knowledge uh, really made a difference for me too, because you really know your stuff. And I mean, I have a minor in art history, and I think that it's really important when you have a kind of a laid-back kind of you know approach to to teaching collectors different things. It's so great to have somebody also like you who really is very serious and really understands art beyond almost anyone I know. Oh, that includes you. art history. Thank you. So that's another thing. Yeah, that, well, I'm really blessed to be able to have an uh, opportunity to help people learn about art. Yeah. You know, and uh, have people who are also hungry to learn about it and respond yeah. favorably to it because it's such an enriching topic. You know? See, that's another thing with, with Park West is you get different collectors from so many different places. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places are places that don't have art venues that much. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a museum, but mm -hmm. a lot of t places that they, the, these collectors have, uh, are from, 
are they're hungry. They're hungry yeah. for for, yeah. for knowledge, for art. Right. They love art, and I think it's just a wonderful, you know, a wonderful venue. To well, yeah. we're, we're glad to have you as part of our our family. You bring a wonderful, fresh uh, approach to uh, so many subjects that people are familiar with and mm -hmm. grew up with, but they've never had the chance to see them in the way you present them. And it just really, I think, as I said, enriches them. And that's uh -huh. that's a beautiful thing. So you mentioned uh, Norman Rockwell mm -hmm. as one of the artists you, you admire most. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the other artists who have inspired you? Well, of course, career? Andy, because Andy was kind of like helping out with everybody. And, you know, he was just there. And, you uh -huh. know, it was very exciting. To, to what was he like as a person? He, he was really shy. He, he was shy, yeah. He was uh -huh. shy. Yeah. And he kind of hid behind his uh, Polaroid, you know, his, his, his Polaroid brown, camera, yeah, his Polaroid brownie. And, and brownie first, and then yeah. it was a Polaroid because that's what everybody had back in the 80s. And I've got a bunch of Polaroid pictures. And he came to my first opening. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't really intimidating. I mean, you, you know, he was more shy than anything else. Mm -hmm. and, and he was a big help for, for the artists. He like really to mentor was. younger artists. That yeah. was nice, yeah. 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 I mean, without him really, you know, it was just... He just happened to be a fairly nice guy, but he was just mm -hmm. very quiet, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, I, as I said, I, I got to meet so many people and mm -hmm. go to parties, and, you know, it just, like, was really a lot of fun. That mm -hmm. The 80s was really a, mm -hmm. an interesting art. Almost, there was art shows, you know, like how, how they pop-up shows now they have, you know, art shows and stuff. But back in the 80s, they had shows in clubs. They had, like, Danceteria mm -hmm. and Palladium and, you know, all these places. They, they'd have, like, a one-night show. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was so much fun because the art would be all on the walls, and you know, and and uh, I actually did a painting called ABC uh, Club, which was uh, you know based on one of those shows mm -hmm. you know, that were put on there. Right, right. And you know, so that was kind of a great time. So that was kind of the height of the East Village movement, yes. of which you were a part. You know, right. you were kind of an umbrella for a lot of the artists working in that same mm -hmm. you know uh, at the same time with similar kinds of of ideas. Mm -hmm. So Andy and Norman Rockwell, who are some others? Oh, and of course Peter Max. Peter Max. Peter, yeah. Peter. I've had a bunch of shows with him too, right. so it's great. Right. My dad also loved Peter Max. We had posters of Peter Max mm -hmm. in the house. You know, mm -hmm. it's like. Uh, you know, and of course, Peter, you know, had kind of a, just like Andy had, uh, a kind of a commercial uh, background, background, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and all that. And I told uh, I told Peter that one time when I was having a show a number of years ago. I said, hey, you know, my dad, he would just... He would just love to know right now that you know I'm you know that we're having a show together. It's like really cool, you know, and you know, and, and Peter thought that was really funny. And and um, it's it's kind of interesting is that Peter um, I had Peter was my date when um, Albert Scaglione had his uh, I think his 75th birthday or something uh -huh. like that in July 4th uh -huh. uh, on the Intrepid. Yeah. And so they, you know, Peter and I were, yeah. were you know, that was my yeah. date, you yeah. know, and I got to really get even like more, you know, like we've had some really nice mm -hmm. conversation at that point. He's a real big cat freak. Yeah. And he, he had like five cats, uh -huh. you know. And As are you. Uh -huh. I don't have five cats. No, but you're, you're a cat lover. I'm a cat lover, right. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm not that well, crazy. Well, speaking yet. of cats. Sadly, you just lost oh, your dear child. Uh, uh, Buki, Kabuki, yeah. right? Your yeah, cat. the ugliest cat in the world that you say. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's all different well, that, but that's people's no, perspectives. You know, it's you know you know how you look is. at it, right? I, wrote, I wouldn't have wrote that story right, unless right. she had been yeah. she had been beautiful. I probably right. wouldn't have done it. Right, you know exactly, I mean? yeah. So you, know. so, so you wrote a children's book, and it's called Buki's Garden. Yeah. And tell us about that. Buki's Garden uh, is, a, is a wonderful story because it teaches uh, kids to be a little bit more accepting of uh, being different. And uh, I had the opportunity with Park West Gallery to, uh, and, and also was funded with the New York uh, Arts Council, uh, of going to Detroit and um, visiting homeless shelters, uh, reading my story, learning centers, missions, uh, and the Children's uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan Children's Hospital for the Terminally Ill Kids. Mm -hmm. And each, each time I went, I've conducted this, this workshop, uh, mm -hmm. reading and workshop mm -hmm. uh, at other museums in, in New York, Katona mm -hmm. Museum, the Newburger. Uh, and what I do is is I read the story about Buki. I'll tell you in a minute what the story's about. But I read the story, and then I let the kids all do their interpretation of, I, I do a three-dimensional white on and without line, and they all get to paint their own Buki. Oh, you know, okay. Any way they want. Uh -huh. But the story about Buki is really interesting because Buki is a kitty that looks like a gremlin. 
and no one will play with her because she looks different. All the animals, get away, you're ugly, get away, duh, 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 you know, whatever. And it, it uh, mean old rat who's been um, terrorizing the garden, uh, you know, no one can play when the, the mean old rat's around. He's mean, snow, what is he? He's, he's mean and, and smelly and whatever. You know, he's like a, he's a mess um, and mean to begin with. And so what happens is Buki, this story about uh, gremlins getting wet, what happens is they get mean. Buki would never be mean, but she she get, wants to get up and tell that rat to quit being so mean. She gets up and she trips over the watering can and she gets all wet. The, the rat takes one look at her and says, oh my God, he remembers the rat and the, and the, uh, and a rat and, and a gremlin and what happened to that rat. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want anything to do with it. So, so he hightails it out gets of wet, she looks like a gremlin? Yeah. Is that what happens? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And then he hightails it out of never away. to be seen yeah. again. Uh -huh. And Buki saves the day, uh -huh. not by being mean, not by being whatever, but uh -huh. just by being sweet and, and kind. Uh -huh. And she saved the day. Uh -huh. So the, all of a sudden the bunny comes up. Oh, will you be my friend? And the squirrel offers her a cherry, but she doesn't like cherries. Cats don't eat cherries. <laughs> and you know, and so it's a it's a really great story. Um, you know, I, I'm I keep thinking I, I, I right now I only have a couple of the paintings that are based on on the book and I, I did the black and white drawings, but I think maybe sometime I might do a, a, a kind of a revision and do them all in painting, uh -huh. you know, all in, yeah. you know, because color is wonderful for kids and, right. and, and that might be, a, you know, I could offer both, you know, uh -huh. the well, black and white with some color uh -huh. or the whole thing. That's wonderful. Just another example of how you're trying to make the world a better place, you know, through yeah. your art, which is really, really nice. So um, I guess we should talk about some of the subjects that you uh, favor because mm -hmm. some of them are really popular people love them and they're they're uniquely yours uh, no one else has really embraced them the way you have um, one of them and one of the most I think famous of your subjects is the animal crackers subject mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how did that subject come about and what attracted you to it and how has it created a life of its own it really has it really has <laughs> You know, I, I'm trying to think exactly when that popped up. The Animal Crackers first popped up my very first supermarket painting. Okay, it was yeah. one of the products. In the I put one of my painting. little products uh -huh. in there. Yeah. yeah, and it was and it was three dimensional. Oh, uh -huh, nice. You know, uh -huh. and so I've been doing this for thir you know 35 you know years. You know, to anyway, just the whole idea of the supermarkets. See, well, with the supermarket series, it wasn't just supermarkets. I went into you know. Dinettes and little, you know, like Woolworth stores, you know, where they mm -hmm. had like the counter with the food, you know, like uh, above the counter, you know, where mm -hmm. you could order it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I did um, barbershop painting and I did, you know, so I did uh, statuary place. So, but there were different places that were in Chicago that, mm -hmm. I, that I did. But the supermarket was the most interesting because I was so interested in doing those little details and little products and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's when it started, but I was doing more like scenes and not making the object itself, the painting, mm -hmm. you know. So I think what, what developed was all of a sudden, um, I think in 19, the very first Animal Cracker painting, I think I painted like in 1990, 1992, something like that. And I just got the idea, hey, why not do that? That's really cool. You know, mm -hmm. you get the animals, make them really 3D, you know, and the memories that we all have with animal crackers is so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I always ask people what the string is there, and, you know. <laughs> and the um, box. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I didn't really know uh, before that. Uh, one of the um, uh, Park West clients actually told me the story about... Um, you know what the string was. I thought it was for to carry around like a little purse or something. You know? <laughs> I had no idea. And what happened was it was one, it was it was uh, animal crackers was introduced in 1900 during Christmas time. And what it was is the string was there so they could hang it as an ornament on the on the on the tree. And then after Christmas they could eat. The cookies. Mm -hmm. you know, they could so. eat the cookies. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, were they bad? <laughs> like bark, <laughs> bark or cardboard or, or sawdust. I'm not quite sure, but one, really bad. one of the versions of your animal crackers paintings is in the Mayo Clinic. That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. That was the first one that was absolutely the first one that I did. They mm -hmm. they yeah. took and I loved it because I went. They flew me out for the, uh, for the you know to the debut of the unveiling mm -hmm. of the animal crackers and all the little kids were around there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and 
I just thought about it. You know, all these kids are like scared and they're sick and they don't really know what's going to happen. You know, being sick and all that. And the first thing that they they're greeted by now is mm -hmm. the animal crackers. Mm -hmm. And I saw all these big smiles on their faces, mm -hmm. and it just really it warmed my heart. Mm -hmm. and it really did. Just mm -hmm. to to know that you know you can make you know when you create paintings that you know that reach people's soul mm -hmm. you know and their their emotions you know at, that they can heal you know they can be healing yeah you know yeah, yeah. And so, that's pretty special yeah. and then another one of them uh was on an embassy tour yeah right yeah. World, world, worldwide yeah u.s embassy yeah, yeah. In new zealand uh yeah they they put uh they put it uh, yeah, i was surprised they just you know it, mm -hmm. it was there and uh the ambassador, Ambassador Gilbert, is the I think he still is the ambassador there. Said he came back and wrote me like two notes about the, mm -hmm. you know, the lively conversation that we get with the animal crackers mm -hmm. and stuff. Because actually, in New Zealand they don't have uh, they don't have zoos. Mm -hmm. They have uh, you know so there was debates going on, but they mm -hmm. all loved it. It was like yeah. really you know really nice. cool. Nice. You know, so. nice. And another one of your uh, emblematic subjects is a superhero, mm -hmm. but it's not your typical superhero. I know you do paint Batman and you paint Spider-Man and Superman mm -hmm. and all those figures, but probably the most sought after of your superhero uh, paintings is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lots of interpretations of Wonder yeah, Woman. Yeah. In fact, the work that was shown at the Guggenheim mm -hmm. was a, a Wonder was, Woman right. painting. Yeah. She, and it was so funny. It was, yeah, they, they, uh, it was a traveling museum show called Comic Release, Negotiating Identity for a New Generation is what the whole title was. <laughs> the Comic Release to you, you know. And um, it was uh, it was great because it started up it started at the uh, Carnegie Mellon, went to Guggenheim, and then it traveled across the um, the country to like a bunch of different museums. Mm -hmm. And I only went to the opening, but I didn't, uh, the first one, but I didn't get to go to all the ones that w it traveled for mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 2002 and 2003 and four. <laughs> so what happened was I would Google Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. Leslie Liu, and I could, I vicariously were like following Wonder Woman what across the country. Yeah. And every single place that she traveled, uh -huh. she got written. You got a review, yeah. yeah. You got yeah. notice from the, yeah. whole, the right. whole group right. of artists, yeah. So it was really cool, it was That's really cool. cool. And in fact, British Vogue, I don't know how they got it, but right. they, they also featured it in, in, in Britain, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an article about Wonder Woman and my, my Wonder yeah, Woman, right, you know, so. Right. That's great. It's had a lot of exposure. Yeah. You were a single mom in yes. New York, raising your son, mm -hmm. right? You married uh, Jeffrey Liu, who's an artist, and mm -hmm. he turned out to be a... What's a who, what did John Block say that was really funny? I don't know. Did he say a putz or something? It doesn't really matter. It didn't work out, right? He was yeah. kind of a... Okay, you know what it was? It, it, it's, I think it's very difficult uh, to be... Uh, two artists, two artists yeah, together. living together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Especially, he had some notoriety back in the 70s. He he was friends with Bob Rauschenberg, mm -hmm. and he... Uh, and, and Jeffrey actually was more into the... There was more conceptual stuff in the 70s mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, he he was he owned 112 Green Street, which was one of these really big venues back then, mm -hmm. where Bob Rauschenberg showed, and, and you know, lots of like that era. You know, um, Donald Mes uh, Donald Judd, and all these the kind of conceptual stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and so he got some notoriety that uh, you know at that time, and it kind of waned back in the 80s because his work wasn't really you know. Art kind of gets, it can be like almost like a popular, you know, sometimes and then not be popular, you know, and in some ways that was hard for him because here I came in on the 80s, I fit right in with my um, Chicago kind of uh, Harry Who, which was a school from, you know, the art movement, yeah. uh, and it just fits so well in with the East Village and it was like easy, it was fun and easy and there was no... You know, it just happened. It was mm -hmm. like you know, I wasn't thinking about anything. Yeah. It was just well, you, were, you were on the ascendance, and he was on yeah, the descendants. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh -huh. that was hard anyway. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, I can't. Yeah. But so and I was single then. So you divorced, and <laughs> yeah. you had your son Sean, who's yeah. a very little little guy, mm -hmm. and you were raising a single, as a single mom, mm -hmm. your son is an artist. I mean, that had to yeah. be just like wow in New York. I didn't even think about it. It's so funny because. Um, you know, I think that you know, you're when you're first starting out too. It's like you you just got all this energy about you know really 
you want to take the take on the world. And um, when I was getting divorced, actually with Jeff, I didn't even ask for anything. You know, even though I was entitled to it, because I knew I was doing fine. I'd be fine. You know, I wasn't really you know um, worried about it at the time. So. I mean, now I think I would be, you know, it's like, you know, you get, you know, you get more, you're wiser as you get older and you kind of like, then you, you know, you're not as blind about just going and doing stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, I don't know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was just, I guess, lucky that I had yeah, that. Yeah. Again, Wonder Woman is something that uh, oh, resonated for you because yeah. of that, right? Yeah. Became, you know, as I said, emblematic for you. So well, you what, know, what do you see in the symbol of Wonder Woman that's not just about the comic book? Well, you know what? Wonder Woman, I think I think we're all superheroes in a lot of ways, and that, that is including men. Uh, you know, life has gotten more and more complicated, especially with all the media, all the, you know, computers. and I mean, like, life was a lot simpler, you know years ago mm -hmm. and uh, now there's so much distraction and all that stuff mm -hmm. and I think that you know it, it takes a superhero like all of us mm -hmm. to to cope and to deal with everything and, and all that especially with um, women you know now in the workforce mm -hmm. and uh, demanding you know their equal rights and pay and all that and in men too now <laughs> you know I mean it's just like a lot of you know stuff Wonder Woman was introduced back in like 1940, I believe. She was the first superhero because they were all men. They were all Batman and Superman first and all those woman guys. First superhero. Yeah. First woman yeah. superhero. Right. And that was for little girls to be able to have a role model and stuff right. like that. And uh, also, she you relate to Wonder Woman in another way, which is I a do. cute story, and yeah. that's about her, her red boots, her red shoes. Right, right, right. I uh, wrote an article about you about 10, 11 years ago, yeah. and I called it uh, Leslie Lou's Red, Red Shoes. Shoes. Yeah. It, it's, an, it's a wonderful article, and, and people should look into that one, because okay. I think it's probably one of the, the best writings that I've ever oh, had yeah, thank you. from anybody. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know? thank you. The thank story of the Red Shoes is, is fun, and it kind of it's very symbolic for you, because yes, it, it really kind of shows your, your courage right. and your persistence and tenacity and your heroism, mm -hmm. and it kind of dovetails right into Wonder Woman as a, as a superwoman, right, right a superhero. Right, exactly. So tell us the story of the Red Shoes, because it's a really shoes, cool story. The Red yeah. Shoes. Well, when I was a little little girl, I was pigeon-toed. You're pigeon-toed. Pigeon-toed. Oh, right. And Mom, uh, you know, we took me to the doctors, and the doctor said, oh, we got to do some corrective surgery on this, you know. And Mom said, no way, no way. She had been a ballerina, and she had danced. We studied with Helen Bettis, who had taught Maria Talchi for the Russian ballerina. Mm -hmm. And um, Mom took me to Helen Bettis's studio to for an audition. To teach you ballet. Yeah. yeah. And I did the audition, and I was so enamored with all the mirrors that were all around <laughs> <laughs> that I, I like, basically tripped over my own feet, and I was like really bad. I looked horrible, you know? And Helen Bettis well, this, this child is never going to amount to anything. She has no talent whatsoever, you know. So it was like, I heard that. It's like, oh, my God. I, 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 got so, I got mad and I was upset about it, and I was also sad. So instead of, like, just feeling sad about it, that Helen Bettis wouldn't take me on, I, I had my parents install a ballet bar in our basement, mm -hmm. and uh, I practiced every day. Mm -hmm. Mom bought me a cool pair of red ballet slippers. Oh, wow. And I sat around, I mean, I practiced and I practiced and I practiced, and segue, one year later, I danced the New York Children, in the New York Children's Ballet, the Nutcracker Suite. Wow. So you can do anything yeah. you want. And uh -huh. that is why yeah. I think the Wonder Woman, for me, you know, she's got red shoes. Uh -huh. And whenever I meet a new group of, of you know, collectors or, yeah. you know, having a show or whatever, I wear my red shoes <laughs> because it gives me a little bit of, uh, you know, oomph and like, hey, you know, you can do still. it. You can yeah. do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. wonderful, Leslie. Yeah. Well, keep up all the great work. We, we need artists like you to remind us of the wonderful things that surround us all the time. And many of the great roots, you know, of our our pasts mm -hmm. that we share, we all had in common, right. and we can overlook them so easily today because of all the distractions that we have, of things pulling our attention in every different direction, and sometimes we we get away from the things that are really important to us, mm -hmm. you know, to our culture and our family, things of that sort. 
The last thing you want to talk about are your portraits. Mm -hmm. And these are really awesome. You know, the, the tradition of portraiture <laughs> goes back so many centuries. Yeah. You, know, you talk about artists like Goya and Rembrandt and John Singer Sargent and Sir Joshua Reynolds mm -hmm. and Picasso. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, it's Renoir was yeah. wonderful portraits. And most artists today, at least the artists that I work with, mm -hmm. that we work with at Park West, they'll occasionally do commissions, although they're not crazy about doing commissions because it takes them away from their normal work. Right, sure. But none of them really have any interest in doing portraits. Yeah. And you not only are interested in it, you savor it. You you love doing it, <laughs> which is another extraordinary thing about you, another thing that makes you so unique in the art world. So I know we every time you make, have an appearance, we ask people if they'd like to commission portraits, and we have so many people that say, I yeah, I want to do that because yeah. they want to be, they want to have their life sort of, you know, presented through the lens of, of, of your one, wonderful yeah. work. Yeah, your, your unique and, and special artwork. So what does it mean to you to make portraits and what is it that p appeals to you about them so much? Well, you know, what's funny is that, that almost every portrait that I do, I, I, there's always these cool things that I would any anyway add to you know it's like like people have like these little you know like either paintings or these little tchotchkes or mm. or stuff that's part of their lives right. and stuff. Um, I started doing portraits, but I did, it wasn't like I did them like like individually. Mm. Back in the '80s, I did some very large scale paintings. Uh, I did a Coney Island three pa panel painting shaped like a roller coaster, with oh. 190. <laughs> long wow. and uh, 60, um, 60 tall mm -hmm. and three panels mm -hmm. where I incorporated all my, my friends in it. Mm -hmm. So they were all in the painting. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was already doing portraits even then. I did a subway painting, two, a two-tiered subway painting mm -hmm. where I put myself in it. And I was working for another artist at the time was, uh, as an assistant and he never painted. I was painting his paintings for him. And it was like it was like infuriating because he he put on a painting apron when when a art dealer or something would come come <laughs> in there and and have like it looked like he had been painting and he never was so when I when I put when I did the subway painting I I had him in it and there was like a, a guitar thing with coins and I'm putting money into his into his uh, guitar, <laughs> his guitar case. case yeah you know so I mean I my best friend was in a lot of them Sandy and and I mean I I did always did that so later I didn't think I started doing like individual portraits or families or whatever until um, I, did, oh, I did my son Sean when he was five that was probably the first time that I did that mm -hmm. um, and then basically uh, I did a whole series of um, middle school kids of mm -hmm. Sean's friends mm -hmm. and they're so awkward and you know there's like all these kind of cool like you know they're trying to be cool but they're really not you know and, and so that kind of got me going on it too and that those were used uh, for, for a magazine that oh, really? talked about mm -hmm. middle school and, oh. and teenage you know uh -huh. angst and whatever yeah, right. um, and all that so that's kind of when it started so now then I decided hey wouldn't it be really great to, to do something like that with Park West so it really developed with um, you guys in a lot of ways There's so many difficult experiences yeah, with, yeah, with commissions I know that. commissions I know. are really hard and you know what I'm still, I'm still batting 1,000 yeah. there has one person that has yeah. been thrilled yeah well, they're great they're great paintings and you yeah. you nail them too you nail their likeness you can draw so well it's, and I think the nature of your work sort of disguises your draftsmanship. That, you know, somebody else said that. Um, yeah. Mike Thompson, I think, said that. Uh, he, I think he might have worked at Park West at one point. I don't uh -huh. know. what. Uh, but he said something like, you know, I haven't seen your stuff in real life, but but I, I, he said they're just so amazing. And he said that, that you know, that because of the surface, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you don't quite get uh, the fact um, that yeah. I can really draw. Yeah, obfuscates yeah. your draftsmanship, yeah. 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 But you see it in the portraits because oh, totally. you just nail these people. Totally. I mean, they look just... It's just so unique. There's nothing like, you know, there's nobody making art and like you. And you know the fact and that you bring together these people's lives, yeah. and it, it looks just like and them, I but get, it's in I this know. crazy, it's been, you know, wonderful you know, my, style. Uh, Sean used to say, Mom, these are almost, they're scary. I mean, they're good, <laughs> but, man, they're, they, look, they look alive. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. they're, like, really alive. Yeah. Also, what, what I really, I think, is really cool about the portraits is, um, is that for some reason, and a lot of times they don't tell me that when I put something in it, like I'm looking at the photographs and stuff, mm -hmm. and it's almost a psychic thing. I put in things that, that they didn't ask me to do, that they go, my God, you put in that thing. Like I did, I did a uh, portrait for John Block, and there was this weird, the dog, the, his puppy, his mm -hmm. human dog, Baxter, was in the, the painting with him and his wife. And on the, 
on the I just happened to have that he gave me everybody gives me the photographs okay mm -hmm. so I, I just happened to see that pattern on underneath Baxter okay mm -hmm. and put it in and then he goes oh my god that that's that bench spread that's been hounding me for years and he loved it it was like it's part of that and I, this happened to me a number of times now where mm -hmm. I've put in things that that um, surprise people yeah yeah, uh -huh. yeah and delight them at the same time totally they yeah, love it yeah, they love yeah, it you know yeah. so well if our listeners uh, ever have the chance to meet leslie you'll have a chance to see some of her amazing portraits and uh if you're you're wise you'll take advantage of having one of them created we have one of our daughter yeah. amanda that's fantastic we look at it every day and we savor it her playing guitar i really, know really cool. i know yeah, you know i really yeah. love doing it too she's yeah. such a beauty and, and it was yeah. like really fun she, she loves it she'll get it someday but I, not i'm now. not parting with it yet yeah <laughs> yeah you know what's so funny is i, I love even um i have like the painting of sean and mm -hmm. and i went when he was in middle school too and it's like i'm so glad i did that yeah you know? absolutely it's like really free froze a time in your life for, for well you know i always say you want to you want to you know freeze dry your kids you yeah. know like to, when they're, they're little because you're just enjoying them so much so in some ways that, that's you how you can do it dry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Freeze dry them. yeah yeah well leslie thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today and talk about your life and work it's such a treat and if our listeners are not familiar with leslie's work uh, be sure and go to the Park West website and take a look at her work. Now, be forewarned, you will not be able to see in a photograph in pixels what her work really looks like because it's a very sensorial experience, the tactile quality of her work and the brilliance of the colors. There's no way it can be communicated in a photograph. But it'll give you some idea of the, of the wonderful range of subjects that she tackles and, and the spirit of her work, which is, again, so uplifting and, and healing and, uh, uh, and positive. And that's what's so great about you. Uh, you have a website, too, I believe, right? I do. Yeah, yeah it's just LeslieLu.com. LeslieLu.com. Leslie uh, it's it's L-E-W, So check that out as well. And uh, I can't wait to see you next time. So Yay. we can, uh, again, bring your great work to our enthusiastic collectors and help people uh, appreciate some amazing art that's being created today. So thanks again for being with us. Thank you, Maury. Thank you for listening to Park West Gallery's Behind the Artist. To learn more about Park West Gallery's family of artists, visit us online at parkwestgallery.com or follow us on social media. You can subscribe to Behind the Artist on your favourite podcast app and be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes.